Hey, welcome to the Harry Man Show number 16, where we have Dwayne Miller, where the hair Yay. stays big, but the drums get bigger. Dwayne That's is right. a special guest here, especially in the Phoenix scene. He's playing the bands like Deer Drill, Deirdre, how do you say that again? Deirdre. Deirdre. And he's been in uh, a big band called Kale, or Keel. There you go. Keel. Keel. Yeah. How are you doing today, Dwayne? Doing great, man. How are you? Good. I'm happy to have you on the show and kind of talk drums and what you've done in the past and what you're doing in the present. It, Sounds Talk good. Drones? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So no, let's uh, let's back up a little bit. What got you into drums in the first place? What got me into drums? Uh, I was thinking about it earlier. Probably my uh, I had an older cousin, like ten years older than me. He was a drummer, and he was a big Deep Purple, you know, freak. So mm-hmm. he would always be playing Deep Purple, like made in Japan, when I was at his house. So uh-huh. I got into it from there, and he was, I watched him try to play drums, and I was like, yeah. I'm into it. I was like nine. So <laughs> nice. Nice. I think I was gone from that day forward. Yeah. And did you start with a, just a, a drum set right away or did you start with a practice pad or a snare drum? No, nah, actually, um, my brother also played drum. He got a drum set for Christmas one, one year, right after, right around that time. And so I just jumped right into it right with him. We started playing on drums. I never took lessons or practice pads or any of that stuff. And nice. Just, just been jamming on drum kit the whole time. Yeah, so, so Iron Pace was a big one for you at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, man. He was like, because he was like, but him and Buddy Rich, we used to watch, you know, you're probably too young for the Johnny Carson show. No, I, watch, show. I, I go back and watch it now, to be honest with you. Okay, okay. Whenever Buddy Rich was on there, I would make sure and watch. I mean, I would stay up late and watch it because he always, you know, of course, he always did drone solos. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. And that's, you know, I wanted to be like him. <laughs> and he so had Buddy uh, Rich, Ian Pace, yeah. And Ed, uh, I can't, I'm going to butcher his last name as well. It's, uh, Ed, Ed Shaughnessy. Yeah. There it is. yeah, he was great too. Really good, yeah. Totally good. <clears throat> and then what yeah, was your uh, first kit you got your hands on there? First kit was this off name, I think it was called Ravel. Ravel. Kit. It was, I think it was made in Japan. Everything was made in Japan back then. Mm-hmm. Unless it was like Ludwig, and I was never going to be able to afford a Ludwig kit. Mm-hmm. Of course, now I got seven of them. Oh, oh nice. got more than that. You nice. got more than I do. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a bit of addicting uh kind of pull and you can't really get away from it. Yeah, I started you know what I got them one at a time. I got my first Ludwig time. I said, you know what, I'm gonna get into Ludwig's three plies, mm-hmm. the old ones. So I've got a tom off somebody, bought one, a thirteen inch tom off somebody, rewrapped it and put heads on it, sounded great. So then I bought a sixteen, then I bought a an eighteen, and I bought a twenty four. You know, I just buy them one at a time mm-hmm. and rewrap them. Mm-hmm. And refinish them, and now I got like multiple kits. I got a silver sparkle kit, a blue one, a red one. What else? Burgundy, burgundy sparkle. So oh, yeah, nice. I got some, yeah. It's like a hobby, refinishing them. Now, were were you sticking with Lebrick through most of your career, or did you kind of bounce around? Because I think I saw pictures Actually, of you for premiere for a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I first got into Keel, uh, I had. Tama Imperial Stars. They were actually pretty popular back then. Imperial Stars. I don't yeah. even know about those. Yeah, Stuart Copeland. And, had those, yeah. And then um, then I actually got endorsed. I was trying to get endorsed by Tom. They said, nah, never mind, no way, huh? <laughs> really? But Premier, <clears throat> they're from England. Premier said, hey, you know what? I'll give you a kit. So um, I said, cool. Anything I want? And I, I gave them what I wanted, and they made me a custom kit, man. And, and it was this big double bass kit with three concert toms up top and then two in the middle and two down, seven toms. Nice. Two kick drums. And, uh, yeah, we toured Europe with that kit. Um, 
opening for Dio. Actually, it was nice. Got a oh, Dio I, I, I didn't know that. How did that go? Yeah, it was awesome, man. It was awesome because Dio was huge over there. He fought forever. Mm-hmm. So we played these arenas and like Air Force bases and all these things. And my wife says, don't forget to say your birthday party in France. So I was on, we were opening for Dio in France. And uh, it was my 20, it was 87, it was my 23rd birthday. And uh, <laughs> the middle of this song, the guys left the stage. I'm playing this double bass drum beat. <laughs> Ron, Ron Keel goes, Dwayne Miller on drums. I didn't have a drum solo planned. <laughs> but I did that night. And I had a feeling they were going to do something tricky, so I planned some stuff out. I was doing this drum solo. And then all the guys come out on stage with champagne bottles. Just totally doused me with champagne while I'm playing on stage. Oh, and wow. all over the cymbals, all over the drums, and my <laughs> pedals were getting slippery. And I was like, oh, my God. And then uh, that was kind of a nice little birthday present, 23rd birthday. We were in Paris, France, man. It was nice. That's a, um, that's a very tender age to be traveling the world playing. That's a pretty incredible yeah. feat. Yeah, I had some good um, opportunities, you know, and I took them, you know, which was great. And then what were yeah. the more memorable, like, countries you ran that were just, like, it blew you away how big the fan base was? Um, Japan, for sure. Japan, because yeah. um, you go in Japan. They they waited for us at the airport. We're like, we're Kiel. We're not the Beatles, man. We're Kiel. But they're waiting. They got these signs, Kiel, Kiel, Kiel. And they actually made us, you know, comic books. They do it for everybody, probably. But we each had our own comic books. We were characters in this comic book they made. And, you know, just gifts. They're real big with gifts. Really? I was blown away at Japan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that must have been kind of humbling. That's pretty cool. Blown away with that. In England, they're, you know, in London, they're hardcore. The UK, they're hardcore. They like you. They spit on you. Yeah, you guys are great. You know? Really? I, I didn't know that. That's a, 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 how's that Even, like respecting? <laughs> I don't know. It's hardcore. It's like, yeah, like, you know, head butting or whatever. So I don't know. But anyway. Damn. That's not, f- not not bad, you know, whatever, but it was cool. And then Japan's about gifts. I got to see the world. It was really nice, you know. Um, so uh, Pretty cool. After you played Premiere for a while, did, when did you get into the Leverick world? Actually, it was another couple of steps before that. Because um, after we got back from... Europe, um, Pearl called me. Pearl, I had been um, been calling them for a while, and they said me. They said no to me too. So, hmm. we got back from Europe. They said, "Yeah, you know what? Yeah, we'll go ahead and endorse you." So I said, "All right." Well, I had to leave Premier and and go with Pearl. It was nice having an endorsement. You know, I probably should have stayed with Premier because they made me a custom kit. Nice. Anyway, so I left them. I had to send the kit back. It was part of the thing, and then Pearl gave me a kit, and I started playing Pearl for a couple of years, a couple of years. Got to do a tour of Bon Jovi with this white kit Pearl gave me. It was really nice. So, oh, with Tico Torres and all that? Yeah, yeah. Oh. So, uh-huh, exactly. That was really nice. And uh, the first time I met Tico, he looked like this happy little guy, you know, but first time I met him, he wasn't grumpy, but he was like, he needed to, like, he had a five o'clock shadow. He was smoking <laughs> a big cigar. And he had... Voice is like three octaves lower than you'd think. It's like, hey, what's going on, man? I'm like, whoa, whoa, freaky, freaked me out. But he's a really nice guy, super nice guy. Jersey kind of feel. Yeah, total Jersey, you know, low, super low voice, you know, mm-hmm. um, smoking a cigar, laid back, real nice guy, real nice guy. So, yeah, I don't know what you're after me. I was just, you went up to Tico Torres' story, but anyway. <laughs> we, were, we were talking about Pearl drums there for a second. Pearl. Yeah, so Pearl. And that's that's what I had for a long time, even like after Keel and other other things I was doing after that. I just played this Pearl kit I had for a long time, and I still have it. I just, I, well, I had 
it's my second pearl kit, but I still have it. I had it repainted. Now it's got different colors and um, different hardware and stuff. Really cool. I still have one of my kits, and uh, they sound great after all these years. You know, badass. Is but, that is that a maple kit itself? It's a maple kit. It's like six ply maple with the power toms, a couple of twenty fours, and all of eight through eighteen, eight, ten, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Oh, and that's their whole deal. 16, 18. So I've got every size. I can use whenever I want. I don't use them all, but you know, not especially not now. I don't have a double base kit. I travel around with, <clears throat> but they still sound awesome. You know? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, yeah, there's not really a lot of room for these stages for two drums, uh, bass drums anyway. So that double pedal kind of took over that market. Especially now. Double pedals are a lot better than they used to be. Yeah. Yeah. So. Camco is where it started, right? I think Cam- I've got DWs. Where I got DWs. I got some five thousands, and um, I've got an old seven thousand, which I use on my practice kit, and I have a couple of VWs, really nice. Yeah. Uh, so, so you play Pearl, then uh, what got you into the Ludwig's there? Well, you're, you're asking about Ludwig, but I got one more thing first. <laughs> oh, I apologize. Sorry. Sorry, man. Sorry about that. No, no. I found I wanted to get a really big bass drum, and I couldn't find one anywhere. Right. So I walked into this pawn shop. In Phoenix, I think they're closed now. But um, I saw this big 28-inch bass drum, and it came with black Yamaha, and it came with three recording custom toms, a 12, 13, and 16. Oh, nice! And it was only like 500 bucks. I'm like, recording custom kit, with a 28-inch kit drum for 500 bucks. I'll take it. Yeah, so that's I took a good it. deal. And then I had no kidding. And then I had the recording customs. I added the floor tom. The, the 18 inch floor tom cost more than the whole kit. <laughs> so, so then I just had that for a few years. And, that, and then finally I, I thought, okay, that's, that's cool. I, I need something different. So I decided to trade it out and sell out. And then I started on collecting Ludwigs one at a time, you know? So, and redoing them and refinishing them. And, you know, a friend of mine sold me this, this tom for 50 bucks. And I, Stripped it off with a heat gun, you know, and rewrapped it, and, you know, built a whole kit that way. And then I, I built a whole other kit, different color, and then a whole one drum at a time. It's fun. It's a hobby. Yeah, it's great. It's, I do, an, it's an addiction, you know. Yeah, I do it myself <laughs> here and there. You know, I'm, I'm actually refinishing an old Pearl Export kit right now just to do something weird with it. I'm not sure what I'm going to end up with it with it right now, but it's it's an old Export kit with two twenties. I think it's got two tens and two twelves and two sixteens. So it's going to be a lot of fun to rebuild that one. Oh. That's cool. Yeah, so it's that old school like, cool. square square uh, export logo there. Oh, nice! And you'll have after that you have you have blood, sweat, and tears into it. You got you know you got memories with the kit. So well, I actually uh, when I was eighteen years old, I refinished a Rocker Pros logo kit. It was a it was a, one was one side was black and one side was white, and I sanded it all <laughs> down. Not a whole thing natural. And I got two twenty fours on that one. Really, that's hardcore, man. Yeah. Sanded it down. Yeah, it took that's about awesome. a summer. <laughs> Also, yeah. <laughs> but uh, how yeah, how did you cool. meet uh, how did you meet Keel? How did how did that all start for you? Well, okay, so I'm, I'm, I was born and raised in Phoenix. I was in Phoenix playing in a band and what have you. I had known um, actually auditioned for Steeler when I was 18. Steeler had Ingve, Malmsteen, and you know Ron Keel and and Rick Fox and those other guys, Mark Edwards. Actually, uh, when they came through town. At the time, uh, Ingve had already left, and they had a new guitar player. And uh, Greg Chason was a bass player. And Greg lived in Phoenix too. He came and saw a band I was playing in, and we were playing some double bass stuff real fast. He thought, "Wow, he's good." He goes, "I want you to audition for Steeler." I said, "All right, cool. I'll audition for Steeler." Thanks. And then, uh, 
the Steeler came to town and played the show and I was blown away and, and they all came over to my house except the drummer the next day and I'm playing songs I learned and everything was going pretty good and then Ron goes do a drum solo right now I'm like well I don't have anything planned what, what, what? so I started messing <laughs> around and I, I kind of blew it I was 18 and scared whatever so I didn't get the Steeler gig but um, that's okay because Steeler broke up right after that anyway um and then Ron, about six months later, Ron called me. He went about his own thing, got a deal, break the deal, and blah, blah, blah. He called me about six months later and said, I want you to come out and, and audition for Keel. So I said, yeah, I'll do it. So this time I packed up my stuff, drove to L.A., auditioned, and uh, got the gig. I never went home again. So, so, so you resided about, in L.A. there for a little bit? Yeah. So that was, that was 19 when I moved out to L.A. Damn. And we lived there. I took my, my wife out there. I wasn't married yet, but I took my girlfriend out and we moved out there, and yeah, stayed there about ten years. And we got the gig, did all the tours. You know, Jesus, that's a big um, that's a big growing process as you go there too. Totally, totally changed because we had one freeway here in Phoenix, and in LA, yeah, the ten. I I got lost like almost every day. They used to make fun of me. Like, did you get did you get lost again? Yeah, because we didn't have cell phones either. I just oh yeah, get a pay phone, call the guys. Hey man, I'll be there in a little bit. Kind of lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm from California myself, so when I got here, it was a little bit different. You know, just a lot of freeways that run in circles here. Yeah, it's a little different. Yeah, I mean, there was only one freeway back then, and it's just going a lot. I like it more now. But, uh, yeah, so how many albums did you put together with that band? Um, was it, how, how many total do you guys have together? Kill. They, they did actually one before I was there, actually two little quick before I was even in the band. Um, two butts. Way down the law, the right draw, the final frontier, kill, um, larger than live, or like seven, back in action. Seven albums? Nice. That's and then a we lot. Did, and then after we kind of broke up or took a hiatus for 20 years, and we came back and did another album called uh, Street to Rock and Roll. So we've got eight, eight kill albums. Nice. And that, that song, Because of Night, I remember hearing that since I was a kid. I love that song. Yeah. And that was you on that um, one, right? That was me. Yep, definitely. Nice. And then so we got up, and when we got up, up for the Bon Jovi tour, you know, Bon Jovi's Springsteen's Reef, and that's a Springsteen song. So mm-hmm. goes, you guys got to, you have to play this song every night. I'm like, okay, we'll play this song every night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so he helped you with that song? Kind of. Well, we just played it every night. We already had, like, did a video for it and stuff. It's like, it's our single anyway, and we got to play it. But oh, nice. We'll I, love, do it. I love that video, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Thanks. So and then, uh, uh, after, go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt there. Well, after we, after Keel was over, I did a few other things. I got involved with this band called Rock Simon. I don't know if you heard of Rock Simon. We, we did a couple albums with them too. Um, more kind of poppy keyboardish kind of AOR or whatever you call it. Um, sounded like, the singer sounded like Steve Walsh. That's why I joined it. Oh, nice. And uh, it was really good. And then we went to Japan and played a show, a little live uh, video there and, that kind of fizzled pretty quickly too. It was weird. You know, things just, that's how it is. Something starts up and then it goes away really fast. But, uh, that's it. Rock Diamond. And then, let's see, what else? After that, I just hung out in, yeah, in LA. I started to get disillusioned. So I said, I looked at my wife and said, you know what? I don't know about this stuff. Um, if I would have stuck there and tried harder, I would have gone even further. But, 
after a while, I was just like, my lust was stale. The wind in my sail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> after, you know, after doing a world tour or two with Keel and then just having it over with. I'm like, oh, man. So you took a hiatus at that point? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Like, we decided to get away from LA. We're like, let's get out of here. You know, like, we'll never be able to, I don't want to have a family here and all that kind of stuff. So we kind of thought about it and we came back to Phoenix. So I've been back in Phoenix for quite a while now. Yeah, Phoenix is definitely uh, it's taking a lot for California right now too. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. Every time yeah. we get on a freeway, I can help California California place at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> and it, there's kind of a at least the music scene has been kind of growing. I mean, not everything's stopped now. You know, with the yeah pandemic stuff that's going on, no one's playing anywhere. You know, but yeah. So that brings me to my next uh, subject. What's uh, what's the name of the band you're playing in at the moment right now? Deirdre. Deirdre. It's okay. a, her, her name is Deirdre Evans, amazing singer and songwriter, and she's got a powerhouse voice, you know, which I love it because rock, it's hard rock, and it's original. And it does fit with now, as a matter of fact, because even though there are no gigs happening, mm-hmm. we're just focusing on um, recording. Actually, we've done, we've actually got two albums already. Really? Yeah. Uh, one's called, uh, what was the first one before I even joined the band? It's called uh, "I've Come to Life." Thank you. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And the next one, the next one came out. It's just called "Deirdre." Actually, um, "Siren." There was a, a single called "Siren." Mm-hmm. We, we made a video out of it. We actually recorded, you know, pretty much one song at a time. In the old days, have you done you done any albums before? Or I don't know. If you do. In the old days, Keel, we would go and we'd be so rehearsed. I'd go and record the drum tracks like, in two days. I'd yeah. do the whole album one day in one room and go upstairs and do it the whole album in a big room the next day because we're so well rehearsed. Now we write, you know, they'll write some songs or whatever and then give it to me. I'll come into the studio, record the drum tracks. And then the next week, we'll lay the bass down. It's a lot more drawn out. But every penny is, you know, spent widely. Mm-hmm. So we'll do one song at a time throughout the year. You know, and we've recorded about 24 or 25 songs. You know? we're working on the third album right now, which is cool. Yeah, and the Pro Tools didn't exist back then, so you can fix things a lot easier now, and it's it's more accessible. True. Yeah. True. Yeah. yeah. Back then, you guys were recording on tape and all that too. We were. It was amazing when they had to cut something. Mm-hmm. I, I was. They would actually take this two-inch tape and put it on a thing, and then cut this out and put that there. Editing was really a science back then. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, uh, Dave Roll just did a movie on that too. If you get a chance, it's Sound City is what it's called. Yeah, we recorded there. Oh, really? It was there. Yeah, we actually we used to we recorded one of our albums there, live, uh, larger than life. Part of it is half live, half studio. And how was that experience and, uh, for you? It was amazing. Um, yeah, it was great. I love the big room. All the stuff that was in the movie, we used to be there all the time because right. our manager, our manager Joe Godfrey, <clears throat> owned that place. In fact, and he had rehearsal rooms across the street. We'd be rehearsing there all the time. We'd come in and see like Dio hanging out and loudness <laughs> and right next door to the studio called good night LA, which night ranger was recording. So we see night ranger and Dio and foreigner mm-hmm. Lou Graham. This, it was just an everyday thing. Saga. Saga was recording. Remember that band? The Canadian Canadian band? Saga? Yeah. I, I believe so. You're on the loose. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> we're just, um, hanging out with all these people. It was just normal to me, which is weird. Cause yeah. Cause that board's a famous board. I think he, he moved that board to his studio too. He probably bought it, and yeah, 
Yeah. So back to the band you're on player now. Um, I know you guys are doing some live stream shows and all that, but what's the best place to watch you guys and check out the music? The best place to go to that is go to the Deirdre page on Facebook. Mm -hmm. D-I-E-R-D-R-E. Nice. I'll share share the link for you and all that good stuff too. Cool, cool. And then there's links from the live. We did this live uh, stream a couple days ago, and it turned out really good. Yeah, I was was watching that one. Rocks and the lights and everything. It was a great show. Yeah, so... I noticed, yeah, I noticed you do a lot of backup vocals. Was that something you did from the beginning or did it come over time? <laughs> That's, I've always sang. When my first band, I was like the, I sang about half the songs and played drums at the same time. Nice. But <clears throat> when I, it was funny, back, going back to Keel, when I auditioned for Keel, it was just as a drummer, you know, we got the gig. But we'd be singing these songs nobody else in the band could sing. And uh, we were rehearsing one night. And just by nature, I was singing this harmony. And Ron Teal turns around in this badass kind of way. He goes, stop, everybody stop. I'm like, what, what? He goes, who the hell was singing that harmony? I'm like, <laughs> uh, it was me. That sounded awesome. You're doing it from now on. I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, nice, man. <laughs> it scared the crap out of me. but And then, so then from then on, and I always sing with Teal. I sing the high part, the higher parts, you know, the Michael Anthony harmonies, you know. Nice. And was that, was that so, something you had to work on or did it come natural to you? It's something I've been doing as long as I've been playing drums, you know, uh, mm-hmm. singing choir in school and all that stuff. And so it just, it it just naturally comes out of you when you're doing the stuff with your hands? Yeah, it was always just one thing for me, drumming and singing. You know, so. Yeah, I can't Although, s- sing to save my life, so I kind of admire that. Yeah, I mean, I actually do like not singing, you know, because I can focus more on drumming. So it's be- I'm a better drummer than mm-hmm. not singing. Mm-hmm. When I have to sing, I can sing. You know, it's nice. So nice. A couple other things. See, I told you I don't talk very much until I'm talking about myself. No, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all about it. <laughs> then here we go. You're the guest, um, man. Okay. Um, also do a couple tribute bands when I'm not, when I can. Uh, we do a Boston tribute. You, you probably know about that, right? Oh yeah, I saw that one. Yeah. It's amazing. It's called Don't Look Back, full costume. And all the same guys also do uh, Doobie Brothers. Doobie's tribute. Yeah, that's Doobie's cool. called Listen to the Music. So it's all the same guys, different costumes. Nice. Yeah. And it's top-notch players. And that, because we're talking about singing, everybody, there's seven guys in the band, and every one of them sings. So I don't, and it's all, even um, even Tom Schultz from Boston, he asked me, he asked me, he goes, did you, because I met him, the story behind that too. He goes, do you guys use tracks? I'm like, no, we actually, yeah. Uh, Live because no way because your harmonies they're all there. I'm like you know the seven guys singing and there's always just this full harmony going on. Yeah, that's an amazing band, man. They were on top of it. Yeah, yeah, and um, so that's a lot of fun. We're not playing very much either right now. No one's playing anywhere right now. Yeah. So and going forward with the band you're working with now, what are you guys' plans and how soon do you think you guys will be back out there? We'll be out there as soon as. Yeah. Stuff starts happening. I mean, right now, since we can't perform live, mm-hmm. we are recording, you know, writing and recording, which is, why not, right? You can't play shows, right? So instead of rehearsing and all that stuff, we just go lay down some stuff. And we also did a video for one of our songs called Siren. Mm-hmm. You might have seen it. That's already out. Yeah, I watched that one. I, I watched that this morning. It's really good. It came out really good, man. Yeah, it's really and then, good. We also did another video. It's not yet done yet, but um, for a song called Drown, uh, which is really nice. Uh, we did everything in one day. 
both both videos. I took two drum sets down. One had a red kit for the siren. Another one has a silver sparkle kit. I don't want to give away too much. But <laughs> two videos in one day, same studio, you know, this and that. But yeah, we've got another video coming out pretty soon for Drown. Nice, nice. She look cool. She's got, she's got a hell of a voice too. She's really good. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's got conviction. Yeah. A lot of a lot of singers just don't have that grit or however you want to like lead singer vibe, you know. Yeah. Like you know, some I don't want to say oh some girl singers are bad. Some actually some girl are kind of soft and shy. You can't be shy. You got to be like yeah, you know. Yeah, you got to commend and, the audience and all that. Good and stuff. that's how she is. She's like yeah. conviction. You know what I mean? So I like her as a singer person and she looks really good too so image is really good <laughs> and uh and yeah so when, when you guys were playing your tribute bands were you guys doing a lot of casino runs or how where were you guys playing with that everywhere man yeah casinos mostly in um different functions city functions we did this thing in georgia um i forget it was like kennesaw or something like that but downtown in the middle of the block mm-hmm. it was the whole block off and we flew on stage doing this boston thing and met the mayor all this stuff Oh, nice. It was the 4th of July, uh, so fireworks were going on. And then we did a couple of stints at Epcot Center, Disney World. Hmm. Uh, seven days straight, three shows a day. Really? For seven days. We did 21 shows in three day, in seven days. And yeah. we did that three different times. That's badass. Which is pretty cool. And yeah, so you fly out. And then you use their, get their equipment. We played Canada. We played in New York, upstate New York. Uh, Boca Raton, Florida. Texas, just all over Palm Springs, all over the country, mostly casinos. Nice. Um, Atlantic City, you know, it's just great. We've done a whole lot of stuff, man. You know? Nice. Tribute bands can get good tribute bands can get good gigs, especially Boston. There aren't any Boston tributes. There's Kiss tributes everywhere. There's ACDC tributes everywhere, but not Boston. Yeah, Boston's one of a great brand. I, I I think they're underrated, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, Hugely famous, but really hard to to copy, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. All right. And then going forward, what drummers are you watching right now? Who do you think who do you think is on the way up, or who do you enjoy watching even older stuff? There's this one guy, <clears throat> kid, right from, from my hometown, from, from Glendale here, who actually was a neighbor. You probably heard of him. It's called Luke Holland. Oh, Luke yeah. Holland. I know Luke. He's huge, fam- hugely famous. Yeah. Now. I know his mom. We we go to church. We used to go to church together. And oh, nice. It was like, oh yeah, she introduced me to Luke in church. I'm like, oh, nice to meet you, Luke. Great, yeah. And it was like, you know, a couple of years ago, and he's just gone and blown up, and he's just doing great. And that's great. Proud of him. It's amazing. Yeah, but of course. I met him a couple times the same way I met you working at a music store, you know, here and there. Oh, cool. Yeah, so he's you walk in. Yeah, he's really good, man. Really good. Yeah, so he's inspiring me. I'm like, I watch his videos and kind of, oh yeah, I'm gonna work on that. <laughs> so, I'm always working on that stuff. Yeah. And he just has like a natural flow to him where it just comes out pretty perfect. It seems like it. Yeah. I mean, I know he's talking because one of my, one of my nieces, one of my cousins actually went to school with him mm-hmm. and she said he was always, um, always practicing and doing this. And I don't know if he took lessons or not. It seems like it, you know, all the different rudiments and stuff, just nonstop practicing, which is fine. And, uh, his mom said he used to practice all. Of course, he practices all the time. You got to practice a lot. But yeah, mm-hmm. really good, really good. It's just the way your brain works. Yeah, he's like algebra. His drumming is like algebra. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some of that progressive <laughs> stuff he was doing with that guitar. I forgot the name. I space out when I need to talk about it. But that that progressive stuff he was doing is really amazing. Totally amazing. Yeah. yeah. 
So are, yeah. do you still stick with a practice routine or are you just staying with the band? Is that, I mean, do you still like now that you have more time to play, is there a practice routine you stick with? Yeah, I actually, um, I didn't ever used to practice by myself, not that much, but now I do about an hour a day. Oh, nice. I'll sit down whenever I can sit, especially now because there's nothing else to do, right? But I'll sit here and after dinner or whatever, go in the, the drum room and just start practicing. I'll set a timer, make sure I don't go longer than an hour. Mm-hmm. But I kind of go off, not like a jazz guy, but I do as many rudiments as I can, you know, while having fun, double paradiddles, paradiddles, slam, triplets, mm-hmm. you know. Now, are you, are, you playing, of, are you practicing on two bass drums or just a double pedal right now? A double pedal. I don't have room in my, in my office for yeah. two bass drums, but yeah, it's double pedal. And, you know, it's a real nice double pedal. And I got like a small kit, one kit, one rack, one floor tom in my practice room. Mm-hmm. Timbles just going off. I just go off for about an hour back and forth doing whatever I can. And it, that's kind of what it is. Not really a set structure, but I'll make sure you hit a lot of rudiments. Yeah. Just keeping the blood flowing there. Do Rosanna for a little bit. And then I try to do 16th notes with my, with one hand, you know, to get a good feel with that. Just work on exercises. Yeah. And what symbols have you stuck through without the years? So were, were you a Zildjian guy all the way through? I was a Zildjian guy for a long time. I actually had an endorse, endorsement. With them too, which was cool. They loved Zildjian. They were great. Nice. Um, I had, back in the day, I used to hit my sticks. My, my, I had backwards sticks. Two Bs, backwards, you know, mm-hmm. like hammers. You know? aim, aim for the and floor. I would go through, um, Pisces was sounded, in my opinion, they sounded better, but they were brittle. Mm-hmm. And I'd crack, crack them. So I was able to hook up with Zildjian, and they actually, they were made differently, and they lasted longer. They didn't crack as quickly. Mm-hmm. I still crack them, but not, not as much. And then lately, maybe I'm getting older or whatever, but I switched my sticks back around. I'm, I'm down to five Bs. I'm playing them like you're supposed to, and haven't cracked. I don't crack a lot of cymbals, you know. Yeah. So I thought, well, I don't crack cymbals like I used to. I'm gonna go back to Pike. So I'm not endorsed by Zildjian like anymore. So I just started getting Pisces like 2002s. I like the the high end that they bring and they're crispy and they make them. Oh, nice! I, the, I use the so, 24 inch myself. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. So I have a 24, and I got some, I like the big crashes, too. I got a 22-inch crash, yeah, which that's, is freaky. That's a good stuff. Because I like, not just for volume, but kind of like a, I like how it dissipates. It takes a long time. Yeah, it has body you to know, it. And you can add character exactly back and forth, you know. And <clears throat> That's an Ian Pace thing. He uses huge crash symbols. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. there you go. I'm back on, back on Pisces. So now I'm a Ludwig. Pricey, like I, I should have been the whole time, but that's where I am. And you said you were uh, sponsored by Big Firth there. That's the, I, right now, the only, technically, the only endorsement I have right now is Big Firth, which is nice. Yeah, I've been playing those for years. Yeah, nice. That's a good and one to have. They're, they're balanced. They're like, you, you can buy some sticks that are like warped and all that, but Big Firth, they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're serious about them. They get yeah. straight, pitch paired, pitch paired. Each one has the same tone. Yeah. You know, yeah. But yeah, pretty cool. Uh, I just want to uh, say I really appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, how, what was the name of your new band again? Uh, Dear Jay? Deirdre. Deirdre. How can I get Deirdre. that right? You forgot. It's been like four <laughs> minutes. Come on. We, we went over this. <laughs> no. Deirdre. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's more stuff coming out. We're always working on new stuff. There's going to be new uh, new songs and a video coming out. Nice. And you said the Facebook page would be the best place to reach out? Yep. D I E. D-R-E. I want to make sure I'm spelling you right. D-I-E-R. D-I-E-R. D-R-E. 
All right, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I'll put the link out there for you and all that good stuff so people see it. Yep. All right, so yeah, I just want to say thank you, and um, this was a great episode. We got a chance to sit down with Dwayne Miller, and I really appreciate it, man. You guys all have a cool. good day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one.